Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the texts we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. Well, today we are talking about, uh, well, it's a follow-up on uh, the Who is Jesus series and uh, kind of following up on the gate and the Good Shepherd, but uh, specifically today, taking a look at that chunk of... um, Jewish history that we often uh, don't uh, pay any attention to, mm-hmm. uh, but you uh, mentioned uh, in the sermon on mm-hmm. Sunday the the Maccabean period. So right. this is a kind of an exciting uh, little um, uh, rabbit hole, but uh, it's actually very helpful for understanding the New Testament. I think. I think it is. I really think it is. Um, uh, this uh, what's what prompted the conversation with just a little bit of background on. Uh, uh, this feast of dedication, and uh, which was it's known as the feast of dedication, the feast of the Maccabees, but it's we know it today as Hanukkah. Right, um, and it's interesting that uh, it wasn't one of the original feasts of that Moses talked about or started, but it was picked up um, after this Maccabean revolt. Um, it's a couple hundred years before Jesus, I think. I was going to say, let's maybe set the stage. What's happening in that um, it, in that uh, part of, of Israel at that time? Um, who Judah were they had been, yeah, yeah, Judah had been taken captive by. Uh, it was a part of uh, of uh, at one time was Alexander the Great's kingdom, right? Um, and uh, it had been uh, taken over by the Greeks. Uh, they had. Um, then uh, one of their their leaders, and I it just escapes me his name, um, but had gone so far as to take over the temple worship in Jerusalem. Right. Uh, and uh, for those of you that may know, uh, pork was not the favorite uh, meal for the yeah <laughs> for the Jews. Right. And he sacrificed a pig on the Jewish altar and temple. And they were actually forcing these uh, Jewish captives to eat pork. Uh, it, but it's part of that history where, where uh, the Jewish people, you know, they God would bless them, and then they would think it was their own doing, and they turned their back on God, and and that part of that whole story, right? Um, but this intertestamental period was uh, about a four hundred year stretch. Um, and it uh, really is a part of Jewish history. Mm-hmm. And interesting, um, we even in, the, in some of the Protestant churches and right. even in Methodism have uh, picked up pieces of this, but we just never talk about it because those books that were written during that time, which we call the apocryphal books, right. were not included in the canonized scripture as we know it, or at least sure. in most of our versions of right. the scripture. So I was going to say this brings us back to kind of this whole uh, what you know what is the Bible, how is it put together, uh, in these books that you're referencing. So some churches would acknowledge them as part of um, canonical scripture, and others. Uh, wouldn't put them as high on the list of uh, canonical sources. So Mm -hmm. they have a history of being um, legitimate, um, of being part of 
what the church read, whether we would see that as uh, on par with those other 66 books that right. most Protestants would say are um, canonized scripture. And, you know, uh, Roman Catholic brothers and sisters would see um, the, the books that highlight this section of Jewish history as part of their canon. Now, mm-hmm. you know, there's debate on whether they would see it at the same uh, authoritative uh, you know, level as the other 66 books that most Protestants recognize. But at the same time, all of that to say, like, this is a, um, this is a legitimate part of our history as, as Christians. As Christians it is. Certainly for um, Jews as well, but, but for Christians as well. This is um, hand in hand with what we know from the Old Testament and from the New Testament as uh, God was doing something in this thing, and people wrote it down. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it um, it's um, in my um, uh, what was it? It was my Revised Standard Version, Oxford Annotated Version mm-hmm. that I used when I was in college a couple of moons ago. Sure, uh, that was part of the book was the apocryphal right. scriptures, and we actually. Right did limited, but we did do some study at some of the writings and some of the history and some of the background. Sure. That really has been lost. Um and right. and certainly our stories about God and his workings here in, in the Western culture. Um but the Anglican Church, from which our heritage as Methodist comes from, mm-hmm. uh they were kind of off again, off on again, off again with right. this. Right. Um but there are still several yeah. translations today that include these as an additional, and they're right. noted as that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think these books, uh, um, which there are several of them, not just uh, the, the Maccabees right. books, but uh, other books as well. Um, unfortunately, I think they got caught in some uh, political maneuvering. They became pieces to say, no, we're in charge, no, we're in charge, no, Mm -hmm. we're in charge, no, we're in charge. And so you do that by authorizing this set of books or that set of books. And so unfortunately, um, you know, we get really sidetracked with their their authorization and we miss their content Mm -hmm. uh, sometime. And so there's some interesting content, as you've you've talked about, um, in these books. And it really gives us, I think, a great great picture of what the climate of – first century Palestine is like um, that these Pharisees are operating in, you know, which you talked about on Sunday. These are, this gives us some great detail of um, why they are the Mm -hmm. way they are. And it it was so close. I mean, the the rededication of the temple was in, I remember it was in 165. I don't remember when the revolt was. It was a year or two before that, before they went back, but they came back and uh, rededicated the temple so so the revolt was actually a miracle of god in the sense well actually i to some degree it really goes back to the faithfulness of the jewish people and their perseverance during extreme persecution through these occupations through these occupations Mm -hmm, one of the stories i read there was a mother and had seven sons and she watched each one of her sons give his life because he would refuse to eat the pork and they would I mean, the horror stories of what they did to people back then yeah. revel what's going on in some places in our world today. Right. And these four brothers um, decided enough was enough, and uh, they created this 
revolt, which I think went on for three years before they finally won. And yeah. it was kind of a, one of those Moses holding up your arm battles. Right, right. Um, and uh, so that was one of the miracles. And that's what this Feast of Dedication or Hanukkah, which is sometimes called the Festival of Lights, what that's about mm-hmm. is how Christians are people of God survive under persecution, how they right. persevere through that, and then how they come through that and come back around to worship once again. Right. Um, and it's just uh, – it's it's interesting. It's fascinating. Uh, it's interesting that Jesus, for all of these festivals from his Jewish heritage, was there right. for those celebrations. Yeah. So uh, I remember the, the miracle that they talked about uh, – as they came back to rededicate the temple, they used olive oil, and I don't know what – I don't know the dynamics of it. But when they got the temple back, when they revolted and took control of the temple, there was only one vial or vase or whatever of this oil left. Yeah. The rest of it had been desecrated, I guess, in some manner or form. And um, it was only uh, enough there to light um, – this menorah thing that we see, mm-hmm. and we see that a lot around Hanukkah, and yep. uh, the menorah is uh, a lighted lampstand. The one that's used in worship has got seven mm-hmm. lights to it, but the one that's used at Hanukkah has got nine lights to it, eight of them representing the eight days of the celebration, right. and one uh, representing um, – well, what can I say? I forgot yeah. to turn my cell phone yeah, on. A little phone break here. Um, representing the light in the presence of uh, light in the presence of God. Right. Um, it might be the Maccabees calling. I don't know. Actually, it was a family member calling. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, there was always a light in the temple in the Jewish temple. There was always a light. Well, they had taken that out, of course. Right. Um, and uh, the center of this menorah, there was one light stand, candle stand, that was taller than the others, uh, which again represented the presence of God. Mm-hmm. So um, in the menorah for the Hanukkah, there's nine of these, one being higher and the eight representing the eight days. Because this one vial of oil that was only supposed to last a day, one day yep. lasted all eight days till right. the next oil could be made or purified i don't i don't know what they did with yeah. it yeah um so it it's just interesting because i think we in in our, our western culture are aware of the word hanukkah i don't know that we know and have much connection especially in the church with what that's about um right right and i i just found that fascinating yeah that all of that was going on uh in the midst of and of course I don't know, in a month or so, we're going to start uh, a series on the signs and the miracles of Jesus, mm-hmm. and this is one of them, was the healing of the blind man. Right. Actually instigated this whole declaration of Jesus about, I am the gate and I'm the good shepherd. Right. And it's, uh, you know, this the understanding of the importance of this feast and this section of history um, in the Maccabean Revolt uh, it really does help set the stage for um, just how scandalous uh, Jesus' actions are in this mm-hmm. in this scenario in the gospel. 
but also uh, it it gives you a little bit of an insight into um, a kind of positioning of uh, that Jewish culture, the Pharisees in specific. So you, you get to these these two things really come into starker relief. And um, I think what it when you think about the history of it, I mean, you have uh, if you go back just a little ways, you know, you have Israel um, being completely defeated after David and Solomon and these big reigns, and then everything goes downhill. They get taken away to Babylon and what we call the exile, and then they return back to set it up again. But you know, Ezra and Nehemiah and those people who return have a very um, specific agenda in why they left and what they need to do because they're back here. So they Mm kind of, they turn the screws on everybody, quite honestly. I mean, they really, they really tighten up the ship um, in terms of who's in, who's out, what you're doing, when you're doing it. They, they really saw their, their exile as um, their inability to obey. And so what they do is they say, we'll be better people. And, that works sometimes, mm-hmm. and it works up to a point. And um, the Maccabean Revolt is kind of a, an extension of that, where uh, they kind of re-up that, that idea. And so you, you come to the first century um, when Rome is occupying, it's another occupying power, and they think, boy, if we can just be better people, right. we're going to make this happen. And uh, so that's why you have the Pharisees who are, uh, you know, playing that side of the game. Like, we need to get our stuff together. We need to turn the screws. We need to behave more properly. Um, and then you have uh, the zealots who are also enforcing that on the um, the political side mm-hmm. as well. And then you have Jesus come in and say, oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's all wrong all across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it makes that stand out, I think, in sharper relief. And it, it often makes, uh, when we're reflective about it, it makes our own... When you try to see ourselves in that story, often we're like, oh, we're with Jesus. And sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're with political zealots, and sometimes we're with um, uh, ultra-purity-concerned, action-oriented kinds of folks like the Pharisees. I I think, for me, it it, uh, comes to a place where uh, you don't want to protect what you have. Right. um, And you want to be protective of what you have. Yep. Um, but at what point have we stopped listening to the voice of God? At what time do we realize that just because these protections are many times of our own creation? Right. The Pharisees were really good about about creating their own little set of additional laws that people oh, needed sure. to follow. Yeah, and I, you know, we've we've done the same thing. Uh, is uh, no. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, about yeah, we uh, how we protect what, and you know, the Pharisees sometimes get a rap. I think they were doing that out of what they understood to be integrity. Oh, they were sincere as all get out. Um, and uh, I think <laughs> yeah. that even today, as people are, they say some things and do some things that, uh, from an outsider looking in, seem really harshly judgmental and critical. But I think at the heart of it, and a lot of it has been harshly judgmental and critical, Mm -hmm. but I think at the heart of it is some earnest, honest attempt to keep something pure or holy in some manner or form. We just keep trying to do it on our own rather than 
allow the Holy Spirit sometimes to help us to walk through those times. Right. right. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's fun. So that, that was uh, <laughs> that's an interesting uh, rabbit trail in history, but I think it's very very helpful for understanding well, this is. text. So I'm glad. I guess uh, if I'd say anything, if you find the apocrypha books to read those, you will not go to hell for reading those. No, okay? you certainly won't. Uh, in fact, there, there'll be some enlightenment <laughs> there. Uh, they weren't included in in what we know as the the Holy Bible, but boy, I go back and read through them once in a while just because of the historical value and to understand the setting that Jesus was born into. Right. Uh, because two hundred or one hundred sixty five years is not very long for people mm-hmm. to have forgotten why they were in the boat they were in, and right. to try to be careful not to get back there again. Oh, right. So, yeah. 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 For sure. All right. Well, next week uh, we are. I think we're off next week. Um, yeah, race preaching next week on yep. Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life." Right, and then we'll be back the week after that um, with uh, "I am the vine." I am the vine. Well, yeah. that'll be a good one. All right. Well, till then, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.